Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Josh the Collins podcast. I do have to say the Josh the Collins podcast name seems a little bit weird to me because I feel like it's a little pretentious to have my own name as the name of the podcast, but I also am the guest on every single episode. So it's me and another person. So I guess if I'm on here the most, maybe having my name on it's not that big of a deal. Anyways, uh, in today's episode, I sat down with Marianne Barrientes, who is a tattoo apprentice. She's an artist. She's a Californian Ohioan, meaning that she has grown up half in California, half in Ohio. She currently resides in San Diego where she tattoos or learns how to tattoo. And we talk about quite a few different things. Now, I will point out this podcast was supposed to be significantly longer than what it is. It was actually like two hours long. I cut an entire hour out of it because we kind of bounced around a little bit too much about political stuff and it wasn't really streamlined very well. So Marianne and I might do another podcast where we talk about political things, but it was just kind of a weird topic to jump into the way we did. And uh, although there was some cool stuff in there, it just kind of bounced around too much. So it does cut off a little weird. But other than that one part, it's a fantastic episode. So stick around for an hour's worth of uh, art, marijuana, Ohio food stuff. Thanks. All right. So to start off, I guess I should introduce you, do a little introduction. So um, I feel like we've got some of the same friends. So some people that are listening to this probably know who you are already. But for people who don't, Mm -hmm. your name is Marianne. You live in California. I don't want to give out too much information about you, but you live in California. You're half from California, you say, half from... You can, she's from... You can say from San Diego. From San Diego. Okay, there we go. Find a Marianne in San Diego. There's probably <laughs> a couple of them there, I guess. Um, but you are half from California, half from Ohio, kind of. It seems like you grew up between the two states. Is that correct to say? Mm-hmm. And you are currently um, as... Yeah. Okay, sorry. Go on. Go ahead. No, yeah, I was going to say I was born in California and then I moved, I think I was in the, I was in the ninth grade. I was like a freshman in high school and I moved to Ohio and that's a rough time. It's a rough time to move, <laughs> and let alone like across the country. So um, yeah, I moved to Ohio, lived there for eight years, I think, eight, nine years. And then I just moved back to California like two years ago. And I got to say, I enjoy it as like an adult. Because the last time I lived here, I was a kid and I couldn't like go anywhere, or drive anywhere or like, you know, see my friends whenever I wanted. So as an adult, I'm I really appreciate it a lot more, I think. That makes total sense. I feel like we, we're almost, we've almost got the same kind of upbringing in that way, like moving at that age. Right. So like I moved to Japan <laughs> when I was like 12 or 13, something like that. So like right about the same age and then stayed there through mm-hmm. high school and then came back to the U.S. when I was like right before I turned 19 or something like that. So kind of like those are rough times to be like moving around. Yeah, it's fucking weird, dude. I mean, luckily, I went to the same high school all four years. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I had to leave high school and like leave all my friends who I thought I was going to graduate with. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess to sum yourself up, how, how would you describe yourself if somebody asked you like, hey, so who are you? What do you do? Kind of thing. Would you like me to do that for you and tell then you tell me what's wrong? Or would you like to do that yourself? <laughs> Do you see the fear, the fear in my eyes? I'm like, I don't know. Um, maybe like, yeah, maybe you try. I mean, I just, I guess like a lot of, a lot, I just do a lot of art. I, um, am into like activism and things and I really like, uh, um, I feel like just everything I've, I've really been just focusing my all on art right now. Like that's really all I've got going for me right now is just like 
practicing every single day for 40 hours a week, you know, like just trying to get better. I've seen so. a lot of the shit you've been pumping out and it's really fucking good. Laura just showed me something that I won't unveil because I don't know if you put it on the internet or not, but she showed me something that you've I been did. working on for a while. She, uh, you already unveil. put it Unveil. Oh, you know what? Hey, that's a good <laughs> pun intended right there. Um, that was a really sick fucking photo. So how do you, how would you describe what you drew for people that, you know, are listening and can't see? So it's actually the, um, it's called a veiled vestal virgin. Um, and it's a very popular statue that was made in like the 1800s. And, um, I, I guess what inspired me to draw it was it's in one of my favorite movies, Pride and Prejudice. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, it's, I, what's cool about it is that while I was drawing it, I decided to like kind of educate myself on Vestal Virgins too. Um, if you don't know what those are, that's actually kind of interesting. Those are like, it's kind of culty. Um, but in ancient Rome, they had like these young girls selected to be virgin sacrifices. And since it was a, um, a sin to shed a virgin's blood, they would bury them alive. Well, I, I see. So that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was so cool to like learn about it while I was drawing it. And it was like kind of like, you know, you get a little connection to every piece a little bit. Oh, no, I, I totally understand that. That's that's really cool. Uh, anyway, I did see that drawing. It was fucking sick. Uh, was it entirely stippled? I couldn't tell. Or did you just use stippling for the shading? <sighs> yes, it was stippled all through and through. And it was a pain in my arse. But can I curse, by the way? You can say whatever the fuck you want, man. This is an explicit ass podcast. I just, I just told cool. Marianne earlier that we had Alex Marish on the podcast. I gave her a little bit of background about like what that podcast was. So, yeah, I mean that we didn't censor anything out. We just everything's on the table. Um, All right, just, sounds good. Just you know, no racist stuff. No like, no anti. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might really struggle with that, but I'll try. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, stipple, stippling is something that, like, looks really, really good, but it is a pain in the ass to do. I know I, I did, like, a, uh, a Darth Vader skull one time, or Darth Vader mask one time when I was working as a yeah. tattoo apprentice, and I just tried to stipple it, and I didn't know what I was doing. I had no direction. I just kind of, like, guessed, and it was such a bad idea. Yeah. I definitely should have, like, um, taken Why? some time to, like, well, I, I just did it, like, freehand entirely. So, like, I didn't. I had like a very light outline of something and I just kind of guessed and I didn't mm -hmm. do any preparation into it. And I just started like tap, 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 tap. So then there was some spots where I made it so dark that I couldn't darken everything else or it just be like a dark blob. And it took me a really long time and when it was you. all finished. Mm -hmm. It was not very good and I was pretty upset. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely should have done more prep work into that for sure. Yeah, I probably, I mean, that's kind of just the fun part about like taking on something like that is kind of just give yourself the freedom at first and just do whatever the heck you want. But if you want to actually like refine it, you can do that over time. But like, just as like a one-off and like just drawing something, like I say, that's fine. And it doesn't matter. Like if you don't do it like the right way or whatever. Yeah. I, th I guess my problem is that when I was a tattoo apprentice, I had absolutely no art. I mean, I had artistic ability in my head, but like actually putting it on paper and like the technique behind it, I was really lacking. So there were times where I could mm -hmm. make something that was really good. And there was times where I could make something in like the shading was wrong. The proportions were incorrect. I mean, there were so many things that were wrong just because I was not a very good drawing artist and I had to really work on that. So I definitely should have came with like a better solid background. And I feel like your mm -hmm. background in painting and all the other stuff you've done probably comes into play pretty hard. Um, by the way, I think we probably didn't mention this. 
you're a tattoo apprentice right now. I don't think I actually said those words before we started this part. So I will do an intro with your name and like say, hey, she's a tattoo apprentice, by the way. Yeah. So anyways, you are a tattoo apprentice. Would you like to tell me what shop you're apprenticing at? Or would you like to leave that off and just say San Diego? No, yeah. Um, it's Ink Mindset Studios, and it's located in La Mesa, San Diego, California. And it's um, it's really just it's a small shop. It's like a it's small business owner. It's not like anything extravagant, but um, I love it, and it's my favorite thing right now. So, what what got you started into tattooing? I feel like pretty much everybody who's good at art eventually has somebody come up to them and says, "You should be a tattoo artist." It's like every, I used to hear that all the time. Like any, anybody that's doing art, they yeah. go, you should be a tattoo artist. What actually made you want to become yeah. a tattoo artist to where you walked in and asked for an apprenticeship? Those people. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, um, I remember in high school, I would like um, draw on people's hands. Like I would do, I, you could ask Laura, like I would draw like um, intricate little mandalas on the backs of people's hands and people would be like, this could be a tattoo. It's so cool, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I never really thought anything of it back then because I was like in high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do for my future. I was like, I knew I wanted to go to college, didn't know for what. And tattooing just didn't even seem like a like a um, reasonable option to me for some reason. I feel like everyone kind of goes through that phase where you're like pushing down the artistic part of you because society is like, you can't make money doing that. And so... Um, I feel like for the longest time, I just like kind of just stuffed it down, did it as like a hobby every now and then took some like classes in, um, high school and college. And then, uh, I just randomly stumbled upon a, an apprentice ad on Craigslist, like during the pandemic, I was looking for work cause it was like, I wasn't working at all. And, um, cause I was working like retail before and retail just didn't do well when COVID first hit, like everything shut down. So, um, wasn't making any money just looking on Craigslist like every day. And then I stumbled across the ad and I was like, you know what? I think this is it. I think this is what I'm going to do. And I didn't even anticipate getting an interview, but they ended up texting me and calling me and I sent them some artwork and they were like, we, yeah, we definitely want you to come in for an interview. And I was like, dope. So I came in and I got to meet them and they were super chill and, uh, I got it. So, yeah. Dude, that's sick. That's, that's like way yeah. more professional and way more the right way to do it than the way I did it. Like it's, yeah, I feel like the way I did it was a hella traditional, like not like in the, um underground sort of sense it was like very like proper <laughs> yeah and when she said I interview like i was like oh dude i didn't have an interview at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, I that doesn't sound far off from i feel like the tattoo industry really does things like whatever they it's really whatever however they want to do it yeah so when i was an apprentice i was an apprentice here at a tattoo shop called studio 85 in lebanon yeah um, yeah. yeah i remember that place yeah so i was there for like the better part of a year but i never actually mm -hmm. got to do a whole lot of tattoo apprentice apprenticeship because so originally when i walked in there i had drawn out a couple different ideas for a tattoo and ivy one of the yeah. tattoo apprentices at the time um who was like finishing her apprenticeship she was like dude these are really rad did you draw this i said yeah i drew it up and then so we got to talking and i was like oh i'd love to be a tattoo apprentice and she said we're actually looking for a new apprentice right now and i just got along with them really well so they were like yeah you can come mm -hmm. on and then not too long afterwards 
they told me like, hey, you can still be a tattoo apprentice here, but we need a piercer really bad. Would you mind becoming a piercing apprentice? So I did. Um, I'm not going to say who my piercing apprentice was. He's a really cool guy, but he was a shitty apprentice leader dude (laughs) because he would never show up and he charged me money to do it. So it was not free. I had to pay him for the apprenticeship, which is not really traditional in every way, but there's reasons why that happens too. But I would pay him and then he wouldn't show up. Our sh- our shop is looking our shop is looking for a piercer, if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> Me and California don't get along too well. <laughs> oh shoot. <laughs> we we go we go way back, but I don't know. Oh yeah. I don't know about moving back. I feel like mm. I feel I don't know. Maybe maybe as an adult it's a little bit different, but like 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 what mm. you said too. But I I don't know. Like I don't hate Ohio. I enjoy Ohio. But all of my friends that are in California, the stuff they tell me that happens out there sometimes, I'm just like, oh, fuck, that would make me so annoyed. I would, at least in Ohio, <laughs> things happen that annoy the shit out of me, but, like, it doesn't really affect me that much because, like, you have all these little pockets where this kind of stuff happens, but then you could also be in the suburb country area of Ohio where, like, something really bad could be going on government-wide and, like, it doesn't really affect you that much because you're like, eh, we live out in the country. It doesn't really matter. But Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier. I feel like those things are easier to avoid in the country, like in urban uh, or um, is that what it's called? Or uh, suburban? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, because the suburbs are outside of cities. Urban area is inside city, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel like if you're living closer to the city, you're a lot more like in touch with what's going on, um, and it's kind of harder to avoid. Oh yeah, and I mean. It's not doesn't mean that everything that happens on the West Coast is bad. There's a lot of fantastic things I've heard about too. But there's just enough of the stuff that like I just don't want to get involved with it and I feel like I would get put in this rabbit hole where I'd just be perpetually pissed off like about mm-hmm. everything. So I'm like, "Ah, right now <laughs> in my life I can't deal with it. I got to just be able to like look up at the sky, see all the stars, breathe in clean air for a little while." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't prefer to compare the two because I feel like I have such an appreciation for Ohio and I feel like my love for it has grown over the distance um but no yeah I fucking love California and (laughs) I don't I don't know I just I love it so much and there's this guy on TikTok who uh who talks about um he's basically just like the most immature guy (laughs) because like, I guess California doesn't have the best reputation, like especially on TikTok where like everyone, you know, is just like s- slamming it all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he basically just goes on there. You need to check him out. It's hilarious. And he basically just like serves everyone. And he's like, like one person was like, you all love California, but then you drive up to like Mount Boldy or something to like go see the uh, snow mm-hmm. to experience the snow or whatever, like just as a jab. And the guy was like, yeah, we want to experience it. We don't want to live in it. You might be like having fun <laughs> scraping your car or whatever. But <laughs> and he just goes, he goes hard. And it's really, really funny. Oh, but yeah. no, I, be, I think because I was born here too, I have like that. I just have a connection with it. And I just feel at home here. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's fantastic things about California. I don't mean to like, I don't mean to sound like I'm hating on California. I have a really bad habit of like, jokingly giving too much heat to things you know because like i I find it funny you know (laughs) no but like california is so easy to make fun of yeah true but i you know what i don't like though i don't like people that hate on california that have like never even fucking lived there right so like i lived in california for like five and a half years or so um in an area called lompoc which is like near santa barbara um so i mean i was there for pretty significant i mean not really really long time but long enough 
Um, and then you hear people, I, I would, anywhere I would go, somebody said, oh, you're from Cali? I'm like, oh, God. You know that nobody in California says Cali, right? Like, that's not, that's not a fucking thing. No one says Cali. Only douchebags mm-hmm. that wear their hats, like, straight down like this, like, slightly off to the side that have never been say Cali. <laughs> um, but I think, Sometimes I feel like people say it ironically. Yeah, I could, maybe ironically. I heard... And there's this, I don't know, there's, there's a, it's really cool because it's a gigantic melting pot. So that was like the, the California that people kind of like see on TV a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. like in movies and they like try to make it up to be like this super, super terrible, evil, evil place. And it's not really, there's just millions and millions and millions of people in California. So there's bound to be some negative stuff that happens too. I mean, just like Ohio, Mm -hmm. Ohio's been on the news for a lot of stuff. People just people forget about it, but we don't have that many people here, and we're on the news. Quite I feel a bit. like just just when people start to forget about it, it's like boom, it's in the news, or like boom, it's the election. Yeah, I mean, it was like I remember people in Ohio saying something about like, well, ha, at least our cops don't kill unarmed people, and then like, mm. dude in Walmart, dude driving his car mm. away from a cop. I mean, just back to back to back, and uh, I think people don't realize it too because they're like. A lot of people don't realize Ohio is a state. Like, mm. I think when people are asked to name the 50 states, Ohio is like never high on the list. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> California is definitely up there for sure, though. So um, I don't want to talk too much about California and Ohio. I feel like that's like only really interesting to people who live in either of the states. And then e- even then, they're probably like, eh. But, le- okay. but let's jump on a couple things real quick. About mm-hmm. Ohio and California. I know you don't, don't want to debate the two, but we're going to debate the things that don't matter about the two really quick. Okay. okay. So uh, Ohio's famous for Buckeyes, right? Mm-hmm. What's California's famous sweet? Fuck. Um... Exactly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wonder what it would be. We don't have a dessert. We're the worst. <laughs> churros, right? Would it be churros? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not churros, honestly. Maybe like specifically Southern California, but then... Yeah, there's like there's like this beef between NorCal and SoCal. So I don't know. We're kind of divided. Yeah, I guess that's true. And the border of NorCal and SoCal is really confusing to me because like it seems like some places that are considered NorCal are definitely Central California, like not even like San like Francisco. San Francisco. I'm like, yo, that's like that's kind of like South Central. That's not even really Northern California. I say NorCal starts at like like maybe 50 miles north of like San Diego and then that's NorCal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Los Angeles. I, we'll take Los Angeles. You okay. guys can take the rest of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> LA. Yeah. That's cool. Just put a big bubble around it though. And it'll, it'll look like what those kids do when they're in high school and they smoke cigarettes and they blow it into a bottle and that'll just be all in LA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Okay. So uh, what about, okay. So we have to find the staples of food, right? So Buckeyes. Ohio wins that sweet category. Buckeyes is not a staple food. Dude, peanut butter and chocolate. What What is better than peanut butter and chocolate? Reese's cups? I mean, come on. It's one of the okay. best spelling. spelling best Whatever. Spelling. I'll let you keep that because <laughs> I'll have you know, California has like the best medley of every like nation's food. And it's it's amazing. That's cultural appropriation. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so not Ohio, only have those cultures here too. You know what Ohio what Ohio does lack though? Ohio lacks because the most famous restaurant in Ohio is Skyline. And it is the worst pile of garbage I've ever had in my entire life. Every time I've had it, I'm like, I don't know I what you Skyline. people are thinking. You must have put heroin in this at one point in time. That's why everybody liked it so much, but it's so bad. 
but like, I, well i'm also not a fan of gold star chili either i'm just I don't picky either. about my chili yeah i don't if you put chocolate or cinnamon or anything weird like that in the yep. chili chances are i'm not gonna like it it needs to be spicy right. and meaty and and bean flavored right agreed so uh but california equivalent of skyline the, the number one restaurant that everybody thinks about when they think of california you like quizzically looking like i don't know let's see animal fries does that bring any restaurant to Oh, duh. <laughs> You're asking a vegan that, though. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm like, guess. yeah, in and out for sure. Yeah. It's great. I don't eat there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. But but anyways, uh, California's staple fast food restaurant, In-N-Out, definitely beats out Skyline, in my opinion. Like 100% Oh, definitely. Yeah, I could agree with that. Absolutely. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like our produce is a little bit cheaper. So meh, I don't know. Just get it down the road, which is kind of cool. <laughs> You know, there, you'd be surprised, actually. When we first moved here, we were always going to, like, uh, Ralph's, which I think is, like, the equivalent to Kroger. And, by the way, Kroger wins in that debate, if there is one there. Kroger is 1,000 times better than Ralph's. I feel like Ralph's is just, like, a mini, like, it's just not, it doesn't have everything that Kroger has. But, um, anyway, we were going to, like, these main, uh, these, like, big, uh, huge supermarkets and down the street there's like a freaking tiny ass like mexican owned like um stand essentially and it's like they sell like fresh fruits they sell a bunch of produce it's hella cheap um i feel like if you just go to like those main uh those big like supermarket types of places you're gonna end up paying more for like organic and like uh, you can just go down the street and go to like a little market or something. Yeah, people underestimate those. See, yeah, they those little usually like usually are just fine. Those little markets and like the little bodegas you find like here and there in California, man, those are mm -hmm. those come in pretty clutch, right? So yeah, yeah, they have some in Ohio, but like usually they're not in super great areas and like they're mm -hmm. harder to find, like more often the cut, right? Um, I lived next to one um, in my last apartment there, off of um, I think it's off of Galbraith. I lived over in that area and there was like a little farmer's market and that shit was expensive though. <laughs> yeah. Some of them do get, kind of get up there, you know? So, you know, I, my butt was saved. Literally my ass was saved by a little Mexican supermarket in Ohio because mm -hmm. when coronavirus first happened, all the toilet paper was gone off of shelves and <laughs> Aldi's, Walmart, Kroger, didn't matter where you went. Walgreens, I mean, everything yeah. just gone. Costco was out of toilet paper, which is saying something. And I was complaining about it to a coworker of mine uh, when I was working on this military base. And my coworker is Mexican. Um, he's from, I can't remember where he was from, but he was from, uh, I can't remember the city. He's from a really rough area of Mexico. Moved here when he was like 17. He's like 45 now. Um, but he's like, hey, man, you know what you should do? You should go to a uh, Mexican supermarket like one of these little Mexican grocery places. That's where I shop all the time. And I said, why? And he said, because Mexican people are not scared of coronavirus. They don't They don't care. So nobody is buying anything. So they have tons of toilet paper. And I was like, no, there's no way they have toilet paper there. He's like, go look. <laughs> and I went one day and there was just like shelves of toilet paper. Like they didn't care. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, it's whatever. Like no one wearing a mask or anything in there. I was like, dude, hell yeah. Thank you for the TP, dude. So. Dude, I had an experience like that when, when yeah, it was when coronavirus had just hit. And there's like this, um, if you are from Southern California, you might know of a place called Carnival. I don't know if there's more than one or if there's just the one. But um, they make fresh tortillas every day and they're so delicious. So we go there every now and then to buy them. And after coronavirus hit, we went down there and it was like mayhem. As It was like 
I think it might have even been in the middle of the week and we were like, this is like a Saturday. Like it was busy. No one was wearing masks. It was crowded. It was horrible. And I just went inside. I went back home and I stayed inside for like three months. <laughs> so there's a topic real quick. I don't want to dive too far into this because I feel like it's talked about quite a bit, but um, I feel like you could see it from two different sides, literally, right? So in Ohio, no one gave a shit about coronavirus. And even now there's a lot of people that don't care. Like you'll, you'll still see... I mean, I guess nobody was wearing a mask in Ohio until it was like absolutely government mandated. You have to wear a mask in public. And I think that was in like August. Until then, like there was very few people wearing a mask um, mm -hmm. at all. And then when it was mandated, you would still get these like people that would like not wear one. And they would like scoff at everybody wearing a mask. Like, huh, I'm better than you because I'm not wearing a oh, mask. God. You know, the whole big, yeah. big peepee -pee power, like redneck. Dude. It, was, it was real great. Um now, in Calif and they would make fun of people in California for this all the time. But I think that what they don't realize is that California, like, there are a lot of small towns, but most of people in California live in a big-ass city where there's a lot of people. It's really heavily congested. That People are really close together compared to the Midwest, where, like, our closest neighbors are, like, 700 feet away <laughs> from us, you know? And this is, like, yeah. not really that far out, you know? Right, um, right. I'm curious what your experience was because you came to Ohio for Christmas and New Year's. Did you find a difference, like a, a major difference in the way that that was handled in California versus Ohio when you came here? 1,000%. Yeah? What kind of 1, things did you see that were different? Well, for for starters, when everything had like started, when the, when the coronavirus ball started rolling, um, there was like panic instantaneously like it, it, I, I remember it was it took a matter of like two weeks and everything about normal life had just been flipped upside down here and it was like um you know I told you I was working retail and I was working 40 hours a week and um I remember like hearing about coronavirus and I remember like not really like caring about it because it wasn't like on the news or anything it was just like customers here and there mentioning it and it was just like a small thing it was just like a small thing that was going on and then um a week later people are like it's in the united states and so we were like shit because we're like right next to the san diego airport we're a very um we're we worked in like a very busy valley area it's called mission valley and it's like there's a lot of business that goes on there. Like every single store in that Valley just gets packed every weekend. And it's just like insane. Um, and so we were freaked out. Like we were really freaked out knowing that it was here in, in um, the United States. And so I remember just getting hyper vigilant at that point And just, I, w I remember my coworkers were also kind of like making fun of me because I was like being really vigilant about <laughs> like cleaning and Lysoling everything and wiping down everything after every customer. And, um, that's just me though. And then it, I think I had done that for like three days. And then I remember coming into work and my boss was like, today's your last day. Uh, we're going to be closing the shop. And so it was just like that. And it, it, it happened so fast. There wasn't really any time to process it. It was just like, <laughs> It was insane. So, um, yeah. And then after that, I was kind of just like dicking around for like three months. Like there was literally for three months, everything in San Diego County was like completely closed. And um, it was it was dystopian. Um, so 
during that time, all you can do is just listen to the news and wait for updates and like wait for messages to come out from your governor and see what the next plan of action is. But, um, yeah, it was, it took a really long time for things to just like slowly get to the point where like, we can't keep everything closed forever. And so things started to slowly open up again, but with a lot of restrictions in place and, um, all of that going on, it's just, there's so much paranoia. There's so much anxiety. I have like, I had like friends who just would not leave the house, like did not even want to come to work once like we could go back to work. Um, and people who lived with like elderly or sick people and just like, couldn't, they couldn't risk it. So being around all of that, I definitely felt like that was like a huge stark contrast to when I went and visited in Ohio. Cause when we visited, I was I was pretty freaked out to get in the fucking airplane. Like first off, I didn't did not want to do it. We were um, very careful, obviously. Still got sick somehow. Um, <laughs> not with Corona, though, which remember, is a good thing. Right. So we got sick, and that's the thing is I was going to bring up when I started getting these symptoms. So scared. I was like, "What have I done? Was it worth it? What? Have, like, why would I do this to myself? Why would I put my loved ones at risk?" It just felt so dumb, and. I remember everybody around me in Ohio was like, it's not Corona, you're fine. And I feel like if I were, if it were, you know, turned around and I was in San Diego, people would be like, you need to stay home and you can't come over. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah. everyone in Ohio was just so chill about it. And I was like, you guys, like I could have Corona though. <laughs> like, I was in an airport, it could have happened. Um, so I definitely felt a lot more anxious like traveling was a whole thing but yeah to address your question huge huge difference between the conversations i had with people in ohio and the people that in here in san diego so yeah i mean i feel like there's a lot of reasons for that but i think a really big reason that people overlook at least in the midwest when they make fun of people in new york or california or whatever it's like dude california is fucking congested like there are so mm -hmm. many people that are so close together even i mean yeah. san diego's a little bit more spaced out than other cities in california they're not like on top of each other necessarily everywhere right. in san diego but it's spread out it's, it's, it, it's yeah. huge it's still a lot of people there you know where how big is fucking dayton ohio like two hundred fifty thousand people maybe like it's not mm -hmm. a big city i think i think cincinnati's like maybe a maybe half a million people maybe i don't even know mm -hmm. um i'm you know what? I'm not going to Google it. It doesn't matter. Anyways, there's not a lot of people here. Um, so, like, people weren't scared because the, the risk of transmitting it in, a, like, a ch -ch -ch really quick rapid-fire fashion here in Ohio is mm -hmm. much less likely than somewhere in San Diego where you come in contact with somebody uh, and that person might come it's in like contact wildfire. with 5,000 people in one day, you know? Right. So, yeah, it's like wildfire. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why people here were kind of, like, more relaxed about it. They're also a lot more Republican here, which means um, a lot of different things which I'm not going to get into. It's a little bit more of a political thing. Which, political. So, so I don't want to go too far into that, politically speaking. Um, but, and you know, um, it, I think here everybody was worried more about the job stuff because here we had much less of, we really we did not have any coronavirus cases for a long time and then when we did there was like 10 10 cases mm -hmm. in all of ohio it was like nothing and even when we were at our yeah. worst like i think it was like july or august before we had more than like 100 cases um mm -hmm. and ohio is like a pretty big open space like there's not a whole lot of really congested areas there's like cleveland columbus dayton cincinnati toledo besides that like there's not really any big cities and even then they're not really yeah. big cities so 
I think people started seeing what was happening in Portland and happening in San Diego and L.A. and New York where people were losing their jobs and didn't have any money. And I think people here were mm-hmm. more worried about that happening than they were worried about getting corona because it mm-hmm. seemed to be, you know, the immediate effect of a shutdown would be that I don't have mortgage payment and I get kicked out of my house and my family has nowhere to go. Whereas there's only mm-hmm. 10 people with coronavirus. I'm not scared about getting coronavirus. That being said, our cases definitely went up and there's still cases in Ohio, but it's still relatively low compared to everywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. but man, this was, I, I think that the crazy thing is like, I mean, I grew up in Japan. I grew I, I lived in Japan, like not too long after SARS, which is basically what coronavirus is. Like it's another version of the SARS virus from what I've read. Um, so getting the SARS vaccine before moving overseas, then seeing people wear masks in public when they were sick, which is just something they do naturally in Japan because it's just gross to sneeze on people. Um, I kind of had a different idea about what was going on here in the States because I was just like, I was kind of exposed to that quite a bit in Asia when, when there was like these little viruses that would happen or SARS in general was a really big scare for people there. Yeah. And, um, what I, what the craziest thing to me was in Japan, it was almost like nothing fucking changed in Japan. Like my friends that live in Mm. Tokyo, which is the most densely populated city in the world, they didn't do shit different. Like nothing was changing at all. Yeah, they're cleaning and yeah, some people wearing masks, but other than that, they didn't give a shit. Like they just kept doing everything. So from my mm-hmm. perspective, I'm like, shit, if my Japanese friends, the people that always wear masks when they have a sniffle, like don't care about this, I'm not going to care about this either. Um, right. So it didn't it, it didn't really affect me too much for a long time until I started looking at like, you know, well, I don't want to pass it to somebody else. Like I'm cool. I'm sure I'm going to be fine, but I don't want to pass this to my grandmother and I don't want to pass this to totally. somebody else's grandfather. So it was I, never a selfish thing. Yeah. And then like after a while, I kind of was just like, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta make sure I don't like fuck with anybody else. And then Laura got pregnant and then it was like, oh shit. Yeah. I really don't want to fuck around with this because who knows what it'll do to infants. And then I had all these people tell me like, I oh, don't worry, your baby will be fine. I'm like, how the fuck do you know? This shit's been out for like three months. Like how many infants could have possibly had this shit already? No one knows. And that's like the thing that you just had to keep telling yourself Mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing was no one fucking knows what's going on. Yeah. And luckily (laughs) now that we're like a year into it, the CDC just changed a lot of stuff. They said that the chances of um, a COVID positive mother passing COVID to a newborn infant is very low, even when they're breastfeeding. Um, and they still encourage women to breastfeed and have skin-on-skin contact, even if they're COVID positive, because that's more detrimental to a baby's health to not have that than to possibly contract COVID. They also said of babies that have contracted COVID, mm-hmm. like newborn babies from their mother, like 99.9% of them have been totally fine with like almost no symptoms. So that's a plus because originally yeah. they were telling people that if you have COVID, we're going to take your baby away from you and you can't see your baby for two weeks until after like two, wow. your two-week quarantine. So we were worried wow. about that at first. But... Um, I mean, now it kind of sucks because there's only one person allowed in the delivery room. I'm not allowed to go with her to any of her appointments anymore. So she has to go do everything by herself. I can't be there with her. I can't that see sucks. any stuff going on, which really sucks. But I mean, at least at least I can go for the birth, which is the important part. Um, but yeah, to get back to what I was saying. Um, yeah, I was really different about it. And uh, I think there's good things and bad things with it. Our governor, I don't want to get too political in this podcast because like, I also don't know shit about <laughs> dick. I just, I just <laughs> throw shit out there. Our governor is an idiot. Like he's such a fucking moron. Same. And like, likewise, you hear him say stuff where he's like, "What did he say? He said to combat the virus, I'm gonna be closing all stores by 10 p.m. or something like that." And you're like, "What the fuck? Like coronavirus has a bedtime? It just goes to bed at 10 p.m. What the fuck does that even mean, dude? That's so stupid." But I don't know. It's very weird. I'm at I'm at this point where like I'm having such a hard time trying to find a job right now because there were so many people that 
lost their job and they're out of a job. So I'm now not competing with 20 people for a job. I'm competing with 350 people with a job. I had six job interviews last week. I had three people call me back saying no, three people just not say anything. And I have one person that is going to interview me again next week. So eh, we'll figure it out. Interesting times, man. I know. I feel very fortunate to have found a listing for, I feel like apprenticeships are hard to snag. And the fact that I got one three months into a fucking pandemic was insane. And the Um, fact that you got one when you don't know anybody there, that's like the number one way I know people get apprenticeships (laughs) because they know somebody at the tattoo shop. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely got lucky for sure. Let's talk about that tattoo stuff, man. That's a good segue. I'm probably going to chop up a lot of that shit because I'm trying not to make this podcast depressing. And I feel like everybody's listened to too much of coronavirus lately. It's fucking. Yeah, for sure. It's still fucking old news. Shit's fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so tell me about this apprenticeship. So what, I mean, I guess apprenticeships like entail pretty much the same stuff. Like you are basically the shop bitch. What? I shouldn't say like, I mean, that's what it is. Like you have to clean, you have to take out all the trash like mm-hmm. what my friend Ryan was saying, you are the butt of like every joke. Anything that goes wrong, they're like, yeah, the apprentice probably messed something up. Um, is that what your experience is right now? Is it pretty much that? Okay. So, yeah, I've heard a lot of horror stories. Again, I feel very fortunate and very lucky to be at such a great shop because all of the artists there are the, some of the nicest people I've ever met. And so, you know, like going into it, I wanted to do research. I was like, I need to know like what I'm signing up for because I've heard like horror stories of people doing apprenticeships and just experiencing horrible stuff, verbal abuse, sometimes physical, like all kinds of stuff. Um, Tattoo shops just don't have the best reputation. And so I, you know, didn't really know what to look for to like anticipate going into it but over time I like I I love these people I got so lucky they're incredibly nice they don't like tease me or there was no like hazing or anything of that sort um I do have to clean a lot uh which I don't mind because I feel like that is like teaching me a whole lot because I'm not like the cleanest person and so having to do it every single day and have like a regiment has like kind of instilled some discipline in me I think um there's also something else that's a little bit unique about my apprenticeship and it's that I'm also apprenticing with another apprentice so everything we do is kind of split in half whereas all of the apprentices before us had to do everything by themselves so there's that too which makes it a little bit easier because I always have extra hands to help me if I need it so Mm -hmm. it's a little it's it's weird I feel like this doesn't go with the traditional like what you usually hear about apprenticeships but I just got lucky in that sense yeah you know and that's something I I know we jokingly I jokingly said or you jokingly said like oh I'm also a woman like at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about like what we don't want to bring up but that's something that I think like with tattooing is different too I feel like for the longest time it was like extremely male-dominated field like literally everything ever right but there's a lot of female tattoo artists now. Like there are, I don't know what the numbers are percentage wise. I have no clue. I don't even know how to look at that information at all. But the shop that I worked at, half of the shop was female. Are there a lot mm-hmm. of women that you're working with right now as well? Like tattoo artists? The other apprentice is a woman. And then there's um, the apprentice before us was also, is also a woman. Um, so that would make three of us in a shop of, I think there's one, two, four other guys. 
So it's about half. I mean, there's yeah. one more girl and we'd be even. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of famous tattoo artists that are women or five. right now. There's five guys. Oh, five guys. Okay. Well, I, I don't know then. Maybe it's yeah. kind of like, I don't know. It kind of seems like tip the scales a little bit too far that way with five instead of four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that's kind of cool yeah. though because you We're see, the newest hires. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool though because I, I feel like uh, tattooing for the longest time, like when I first started getting into tattoos when I was in high school, every shop you went to, it was like all dudes all with beards, mm -hmm. all seemed like they were bikers. I mean, not every shop ever, but it was really like they had this atmosphere, you know, like you don't right. belong here. We're not going to like that you're here to get a tattoo. We don't like you and we don't care about, you know, get the fuck out, you know, like right. had that kind of atmosphere. But then like as time has gone on, like 10, 20 years from there, like I see this like huge switch. Now it's just like, hey, we care about the art. That's all we give a shit about. Like we don't care who mm -hmm. you are. It, we don't care about your sexual orientation, your religious background. If you can tattoo well, then you can tattoo well. That's all that matters. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I feel like um, that didn't even really play a role in, in us being hired. Is Like, I feel like uh, we just... Well, it's it being also San Diego and it just being more diverse in general, I feel like a lot of tattoo shops, like, that's not the case anymore. So... That's pretty cool. There's that. Yeah. So what kind of tattoos are you looking to, or what kind of tattoos are you most interested in pursuing when you start actually your actual tattoo I like, career? Okay. I like the way, I like the way you ask that question. Cause a lot of the times when people ask me like, well, what's your style or like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, what kind of style tattoo are you doing? Everybody does um, the same it's shit. It's different because exactly so being an apprentice i have to try it all right now so but what i'm most interested in is i guess just like very minimal um i've really enjoyed stippling as you can see with the one that i just did um and i also just like line work and i really like that sort of aesthetic and it's really popping right now so i feel like it's a good way to like kind of ease myself into tattooing um if i could get good enough at it then i can maybe branch out and do other things but Right now, that's what I think I'm most interested in. But really, it's just a matter of like trying it all and then seeing what I excel at faster or what I enjoy most. Oh, for sure. And you know, like, I mean, as an apprentice, you learn the basics for sure, like how to make a straight line, which is surprisingly <laughs> way more difficult than you think it would be. Um, I haven't even gotten my hands on a machine yet. Well, hey, at least at least you're already not calling it a gun. So like you're well ahead of a lot of people in the tattoo world. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, like there's like key fundamentals to being a tattoo artist that I think a lot of people overlook, you know, like I've seen a lot of people's work that was fantastic from afar. And then when you zoom in on it, like you see, like those lines are shady, bro. Like they're not, they're, they're shaky. They're kind of fading in and out. You got blowouts here and there. And then same thing with like gradient of shading. That's just like very basic skills. But if you fuck those skills up, no matter how good your design is, it will look like trash. Two mm -hmm. people that know anything about art or want to judge it at all. To most people, if they're going to be like, oh, like cool, criticize. it's a tattoo. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, that tattoo's cool because it's blue. Like, I, I don't know. You get those people too. So um, I think, you know, minimal tattoos specifically are the kind of tattoos where, like, you have to be solid on your line work and everything because there's so, so little to it that if you fuck up any part of it, it's going to show like really obviously. So I feel like- Do you that's follow a, Snake Pit on Instagram? I used to, yeah. But then I would find <laughs> when I opened up my Instagram and they were the first thing on the page, sometimes they were showing stuff in public that I didn't want to open up. Oh, I can understand that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Snake Pit had a lot of like the perfect examples of like how not to do a tattoo. 
for sure. Yeah. And some fantastic it tattoos that were just really bad taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I I feel like that has helped me get an eye for like what to look for in a bad tattoo, but it's all still very new to me. So like, I don't think I'm like the best critic. I mean, I don't know. I'm not the best critic either because I'm not a I'm not a tattoo artist. I'm just a dude that has a lot of tattoos and hung out in tattoo shops because I thought it was cool for a long time. You know, right? Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is that shading. It's like this, uh, there's like a specific look to this shading when somebody does it in their bedroom or like in a prison and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you, you know, cause like most, most like gradient gray shading, like as soon as it gets done, it's got like a little purple tint to it. It's got, it kind of looks purplish because you've got like the mixture of the, uh, inflamed skin on top of the black or the gray, but there's like a distinct yeah. purple color that comes from like people that are that mm. I don't know what you call them in San Diego but here they're called scratchers like people that tattoo from their bedroom or their house they call them scratchers um, I don't so, know yeah that's interesting so when when you see like these scratch tattoos like fresh like they look very purple because the skin is so <laughs> raw and so chewed up and it's just this, it's this weird specific gradient I think once you get once you see a whole lot more tattoos you'll see what I'm talking about especially being in California mm -hmm. you'll probably see a lot of tattoos like that where people like got a monster tattoo like from their friend and you'll see this certain kind of shading that people do when they don't know how to tattoo and it's like very distinct to people that don't know how to tattoo and it's hmm. I don't know it just sticks out to me like very interesting it looks terrible I don't know how to explain. I'll send you some photos and you'll be like, oh shit, I recognize that. Um, I mean, I can't really, I, we can't really talk about the differences between tattooing in Ohio and California since you've only got the experience in California. Um, but that's really, that's really interesting what you're saying about like, um, like the diversity in tattooing and, and gen, just in general in San Diego. I feel like San Diego is kind of set apart, set apart. So for people that don't know anything about San Diego, don't know anything about California, San Diego is like the last city that you'll run into in Southern California before you hit the border. It is literally like you can see Tijuana from San Diego up in the hills, like in Chula Vista. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So there's, there's a really big Hispanic population in San Diego, like more than mm -hmm. anywhere else in California besides like Los Angeles. And even then, I think San Diego wins for sure. Um, and there's like there's a really diverse mm -hmm. group of people in San Diego. It's pretty cool. There's a lot of health conscious people in San Diego I saw. Seemed like a, I can see a that. Very I feel like most place. people in like urban areas, in urban areas, you see a lot of that because I feel like there's just like this. Uh, I don't. I don't want to like say too much on it because I don't know. I'm by no means like the, a healthy person or know anything about that lifestyle. <laughs> but I feel like there's a certain like image that needs to be upheld when you're living in a city. So like people feel that sort of like societal pressure to um, contribute to like that sort of thing but being that. healthy is fine it's good for you and so why not do it for sure if it's accessible uh, you know what's funny is that i feel like everyone who knows me in california knows i'm such a stoner but everyone in o like not everyone in ohio there's a select few in ohio that know i'm a stoner but i feel like it's not as like put out there like i don't think i have like the image of like a stoner in ohio but <laughs> i don't know maybe i do i don't think you have well i mean i don't know i guess it, it depends because I'm well aware that stoners come in all shapes and sizes, you know, um, but I feel like you kind of do. <laughs> you never know. Sometimes exactly. you just never know. Yeah. I feel like you do kind of fit this because see, people assume that I smoke weed all the time because I'm heavily mm. tattooed and I'm like into photography and shit. I don't smoke weed at all. Like, I don't <laughs> fucking smoke weed, but everybody thinks I smoke weed. It's kind of annoying. Um, but I uh, it's not a bad thing. 
I think that like <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not a bad thing. It's better than like huh, you look like you do meth, you know. <laughs> fight that fight that stigma. I feel like weed has such a bad rap and it's just cuz of like some bullshit that went down in like the fucking I don't know. When was that war on drugs? Oh, all of that? Fucking, oh, well, I mean, there's been a million of them, but uh, <laughs> I think the original one is because hemp was like killing cotton. So they ran like all these slander campaigns against mm, hemp and marijuana. Yeah. And then they had the right, whole right. reefer madness in the 50s. And then really it was just pharmaceutical companies being fucking greedy. And people they, just like it. The, I feel like the stigma is that if you're a stoner, you're like dirty or you're stupid or yeah. like, and there's people who are like really high functioning stoners. Yeah. Like, I guarantee that Elon Musk smokes weed. I fucking guarantee he smokes weed. Yeah. 100%. Right. See, people like that can exist. And then I don't, I'm not saying I am that, but like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. You just never know. I mean, how else could you come up with the idea of a rocket that flies up into space and then also comes right back down? Like, I don't know. You know, I, you know what I think it is. I think that the reason that people are so anti-weed, beyond all the like the, the fact that um, anti-weed pharmaceutical lobbyists spent one billion dollars on a slander campaign in California alone, a billion dollars mm. for mm. advertising alone, um, I think a big part of it is because the most popular way to ingest it is to smoke it, and like if it was a drink, just like alcohol, I don't think people would have mm -hmm. said shit about it. Honestly, I think yeah. it honestly comes down Probably. to the delivery system of it. Um, hmm. because when you hear people that when you talk to people about the different kinds of ways you can like ingest THC now, when people talk about edibles or talk about drinks mm -hmm. or something like that, you, people talk way more openly about that than if they talk about like smoking it for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's, I feel like that's, that's, uh, that's true for here too, as well. Even though it's more like the culture about it is totally different. That is very, that's something that I see consistent across the board. I think people kind of treat it like it's opium or some shit like that. They're like, oh, you smoke this thing and you get all loopy. Like, well, right. you, you drink alcohol and you beat the shit out of your wife. I don't really see how we all, we all have our chilling. vices. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that. that was a little bit too negative. But um, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I don't want this to be too negative. I don't want this to be too negative. But I'm also trying to be funny, like not on purpose. I just have this personality, like always trying to be funny. Um, it's all right. It's like an addiction. I'm into the the dark humor is it's accepted here. Fuck yeah. This is a, this is a judgment free zone. So yeah. in, in Ohio, weed is medicinally legal. It is not legal recreationally. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. But whatever. It doesn't matter to me though because I don't smoke weed. I'm also just for freedom of the people. So I think it's dumb. How do you feel being in mm -hmm. California, knowing that you can go to a store, buy weed legally, smoke it, and not have to worry about getting in trouble for it at all? I'll tell you right now, Josh. It's fucking fantastic. And I'm having a great time all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the freedom to do that is a privilege. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. Did you smoke weed when, um, you were in Cal when you were here in Ohio? You know, that's actually where I started smoking weed was in Ohio. Um, I didn't get introduced to it until like, oh, you know what? Okay. So yeah, we have, me and weed have like a very long history. Um, I started smoking at a very young age. Um, very illegally <laughs> like under bridges and shit um <laughs> the and... normal place for people to smoke weed <laughs> probably, let me guess probably out of fucking like soda cans too where you poked holes in the top of it oh and, like, yeah for it sure yeah, apples yeah. anything oh, yeah. you get your hands on um and we just go to the most like remote places to do it um that was probably around sophomore year and then i did it for like the whole sophomore year and then junior year i was like uh, yeah, sophomore, or junior year and senior year, I like completely stopped. I was like, I didn't want anything to do with it. Like I had like a bad experience with it the last time I had done it. So it was kind of just like a, I didn't care for it at all. 
then I started dating this guy and um, he just had like an avid curiosity for it. And I was like, I wasn't opposed to it at all because it had been a few years for me since I'd smoked it. So I was like, yeah, let's try it. And I had a close friend who was doing it regularly. And so I like hit her up and I was like, hey, can we like come over and smoke with you? And so it just snowballed from there and so uh, I started buying weed from them and then, <laughs> and then we moved here but yeah I started smoking regularly like the last year I lived in Ohio I think so is it was it there more like anxiety around smoking weed in Ohio <laughs> like worrying that like hey even though this is like technically kind of decriminalized like if I get caught with this it can fuck my entire life up still most definitely yeah yeah. Didn't didn't deter me from smoking inside of my apartment and like I but I would never do it in public and I would never do it where like anyone could see me. Um and plus I lived in like kind of like a um an area where I feel like it was smoked a lot because <laughs> I could smell it in like my apartment complex. Um and I just felt like it wasn't it like nobody in the apartment complex was a narc, so we you know would help each other out in that sense. Um, I even smoked with like a few of my neighbors there, but yeah, I definitely feel like the anxiety about it was a lot higher though. Cause there's always that, like, you know, while you're smoking, you're always like, you hear that? Did you hear that? Or like, you like hear like a knock or something and you think it's like the fucking police or something, but yeah. you definitely don't get that here. And you can smoke like anywhere here and most everybody does. So it's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I guess we could go into the whole reason why, like, it should be legal, but I feel like most people that are listening to this podcast probably have very similar views. A lot of people that listen to this are, are military brats and are my friends. So I feel like mm -hmm. most of, almost all, I don't know anybody actually my age that I'm friends with that doesn't think marijuana should be legal. I'm sure there's a couple, but, like, if they exist, they don't talk about it. Um, where can people find you if they want to see your art, if they want to check out your stippling oh. work and check out all the Say stuff that again. Doing? Say that again. Oh. <laughs> I said, uh, where can people find you if they want to look at your art and find out about all of your cool tattoo stuff that you're, that you're going to start up? Um, you can follow me at inclined by nature on Instagram. That's all I got. <laughs> inclined, and how do you spell inclined by nature? It's like ink, inclined, inclined. I don't know. Inclined. Like Maybe I'll... Yeah, maybe I, put like a little I N K L I N D or L I N K L I N E D by nature. I I N K E D by nature. Oh. Oh. Okay. Or, sorry, no, that's inked. <laughs> this is horrible. I don't know. I don't know how to plug myself yet. This hey. is way too early in my career. Well, you know what? What I'll do is I'll figure out exactly what it is and I'll do just an audio bit later. I'll just edit it and put it in here, which is like this is where you can find Marianne. There you go. All right, cool. Hey, dude, I appreciate you coming <laughs> on. We should definitely do this again sometime. Maybe we should come on and like talk about something specific, like one specific topic instead of just yeah, like... dude. Because we jumped around a lot, we can totally like refine it a little bit more. So wasn't as scary as you thought it was going to be, was it? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right, dude. Well, no. hey, man, hey, man, I really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. No um, problem. Thanks I'm for having me. I'm gonna go wake Laura up when I go back to bed because I didn't realize it's already like one a.m. But all right. <laughs> All right. All right, dude. Thanks for coming on again. You guys have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. 
And that's the end of the episode. Let me verify what Marianne was trying to say and say that her Instagram is inclined by nature. So inclined, but spelled with a K instead of a C. I-N-K-L-I-N-E-D by nature. Uh, she's got some really fantastic artwork she's putting up and she's eventually going to be putting up some tattoos that she's working on. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to follow Marianne and me on Instagram. My Instagram is Josh the Collins. Super simple. Just the name of the podcast without the word podcast. Thanks.